This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, here we go. Good welcome. Good welcome. Good afternoon and welcome. I'm already getting ahead of myself, uh, and we are ahead of ourselves. Traditionally, uh, starting at four, now we start at three. Uh, welcome to the new world, the brave new world. And uh, it doesn't feel much different, except it's a little brighter and lighter, and it will be when we leave. So uh, there you go. That's the only change that uh, I can foresee, pending, of course, uh, you know, responding to the vagaries of the broadcasting world. Uh, boy, that's a drag. Luke Perry, dead at 52, massive stroke. Uh, so young. Well, 52 is young, yes, I would say. And, uh, yeah, I don't really remember. I wasn't a big fan of the show. i got to be honest with you. Back in the day, we're going back, what, 25 years ago when it first hit big, 1990, 30 years ago? Yeah, I have to admit, I, I wasn't as well. But, man, oh, man, he's sure, as we've heard in some clips, you know, he, he sure had a lot of fans. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Heartthrob guy. Well, yeah. I guess that sort of dissipates over the years, but it was kind of, to me anyway, uh, the poor man's James Dean. You know, he had that same affectation and look. That's right. So, for whatever, you can ask your granddad about the James Dean thing or, or look it up on uh, Wikipedia, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, as, you know, many would say, it's maybe... Uh, a signpost, a cultural signpost, the passage of time over the years. I mean, guy dies of massive stroke. If you're in your mind's eye, you still got him fixed as a teen heartthrob. And many who, you know, kind of came of age, you know, with this show that supposedly kicked open some doors, talked about teen promiscuity. And, you know, of course, most teens could relate to the well-off, spoiled, rich brats living in Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how much that was resonating authentically but nonetheless i mean look it was one of those things where uh, it's a soap opera for all intents yeah. and purposes and this guy made his bones in the soap opera world that's how he first got started and uh, it was a time in television where there was a great demand for that and so it mm. came out in prime time not just in the soaps yeah well and that was it was a big hit for i don't know it, he left after season six but he came back in season nine I, <laughs> guest appearance. Well, Luke I guess Perry. it was one of those things where uh, after season six, he found it wasn't as fertile a ground for the teen heartthrob. So uh, you get back to the future, so to speak. Or maybe he was asking for more than they wanted to pay, and so you got to move on. Well, you know what? It does happen. Eh? Uh, careers become circular. And, well, Cynthia Dale's back on Street Legal. Street Legal. Another run up that hill uh, after 25 years. I made an appearance on Street Legal. Oh, did you? As a lawyer. Go go figure. <laughs> oh, 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 oh <laughs> there, really? There were a lot of lawyers on that show. I was going to say, Street Legal might be uh, your first indication. All right, so you lost your case. I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, it was just a one-off, was it? It was. It was a daily. What'd they pay you? Uh, actor rates, the going actor rates at the time. Oh, okay. This is a couple of bucks. Believe we'll it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian actor, you, well, you know. Well. But uh, no, it, uh, yeah, that show's back in the air. It is. Well, who knows? Maybe there's a second career or a third or whatever. What what number are we at right now? <laughs> yeah. Many hats. Good luck. Well, yeah, they may give you the call uh, if this thing works out. And who's to say it won't? It's on the public broadcaster, so they're subsidized. It doesn't necessarily have to be good or successful. It'll just have a, uh, a life uh, all of its own, renewed, and we'll see. Anyway, I don't know why I digress. It's just one of those things, and uh, I'm surprised they didn't act around. The union didn't look after its members that well. I mean, maybe that was back in the day today with our friend David Sparrow. I'm sure everybody's topping up their fund. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But for Cynthia Dale from Stratford back to Street Legal. So there you go. Well, yeah. 
that's kind of, uh, you know, what they say about Canadian showbiz, diversify and eat. So as many hats as you can wear, God bless you, good luck. And there's another Canadian in the news today. Oh, yeah? Who's that? John Candy. We're talking about him. Uh-huh. Well, John Candy was a towering figure, no question about it, as a matter of fact. Uh, and he made his bones in the big screen, American cinema, as well as SCTV. We full well know the story here. But, but bigger uh, bones in the American cinema. Yeah, for sure. And uh, when he hit big, he just had that presence on screen, and uh, there's no denying all that. So what's the story? I mean, it's 25 years since his passing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a somber day. Luke Perry, uh, 25 years reminiscing about John Candy, his legacy. You know, uh, I don't, as a rule, cover off a lot of the showbiz beat, but we will. Uh, Roz Weston's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour just uh, to give us an update on these files. He's a senior entertainment reporter with Entertainment Tonight, and uh, we'll cover that off because, well, just because. On occasion, we do take forays into uh, matters dealing with popular culture and show business. So, uh What's the other thing? Oh, a union uh, issue I did want to address, rather interestingly, uh, 200 employees refusing to work at the Toronto South Detention Center today. Yike. Because they claim eight correctional officers were allegedly assaulted by several inmates over the weekend. How does this happen? Well, I don't know, but right now they're in the midst of job action, which I find kind of ironic because in the public sector, isn't that almost an oxymoron? Job action. Uh, Just wondering. Uh, allowed, I guess. I should have maybe kept that thought to myself. No. Just one of these thought balloons. It's out there. Okay. Well, uh, they say that uh, they were assaulted. This is what the correctional services and their head of the union, Smokey Thomas, they're opsu after all. How does that happen? Well, we don't know, but they're saying they've got cameras. They didn't call the cops, and paramedics aren't saying whether or not they were called to the facility, which is near the Gardner and Kipling here in the West End. So anyway, uh, yes, Jason, what's up? John, I'm just getting sad. I wanted to walk in and give you guys some enormous news that I think may dominate the rest of your show. Uh-oh. Bring it. Jane Philpot has just tweeted out, and uh, if you don't know who Jane Philpot is, oh, she's yeah. a former health minister and currently or was the Treasury Board and Minister of Digital Government, whatever the heck that is. Uh-huh. She tweets, it grieves me to resign from a portfolio where I was at work to deliver an important mandate. I must abide by my core values, my ethical responsibilities, constitutional obligations. There can be a cost to acting on one's principles, but there is a bigger cost to abandoning them. That's the tweet. Here's an email she just penned, if you'll... uh... Again, Jason Chapman has just walked in. He was taping a special across the hall. (laughs) It's like one of these walk-ons on... uh... A late night tea. But, you know, and uh, Jason is the executive producer here at Global News Radio. So updating this one, uh, current breaking news. Yep, just sort of jaw-dropping stuff. And I'm just going to read this letter that she has penned to the prime minister. And I won't read the whole thing. It's quite lengthy. Uh But it is an enormous privilege to be the member of parliament for Markham Stouffville and have served as minister of health, then minister of indigenous services, then president of the treasury board and minister of digital government. It has been an honor to play a leading role in progress that has shaped our country, bringing Syrian refugees to Canada. However, I have been considering the events that have shaken the federal government in recent weeks, and after serious reflection, I have concluded that I must resign as a member of cabinet. In Canada, the Constitutional Convention of Cabinet Solidarity means, among other things, that ministers are expected to defend all cabinet decisions. A minister must always be prepared to defend our ministers publicly and must speak in support of the government and its policies. 
given this convention and the current circumstances, it is untenable for me to continue to work as a cabinet minister. Unfortunately, the evidence of efforts by politicians and or officials to pressure the former attorney general uh, uh, to intervene in criminal cases involving SNC-Lavalin and the evidence uh, as to the content of those efforts have raised serious concerns for me. Those concerns have been augmented by the views expressed by my constituents and by Canadians. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like, uh, well, cabinet solidarity is at the window. Uh, things are unraveling. Jane Philpott is a name. Some Canadians, not every Canadian would recognize, but this is a big name again. Right. Turning her back now on the prime minister, essentially. Right. And she was minister, like you say, Indigenous Affairs. I guess when they split that portfolio with Carolyn Bennett, too, uh, with Truth and Reconciliation being front and center with this government. I'm just wondering if that's a subtext to all of this in uh, solidarity with Jody Wilson-Raybould. But she was uh, one of the principals in the cabinet. No yeah, question about this it. This is a key guy who stood by Justin Trudeau until today. Key woman. You're right. Or, what did I say, man? <laughs> guy. Good uh, grief. Get no. out of here, Chapman. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, again, like she, I mean, it sounds like her heart was heavy. It sounds like she took time to make this decision, but ultimately says, I'm paraphrasing now, I can't stand what I'm seeing. The stink is just too much all over this. Right. And the pressure from her own constituents, uh, as you say, Markham Stoville. Yep. This uh, is going to get very interesting. Uh, so me dominate the rest of your show, pal. New time slot, fresh yeah, new content I for you. can't believe uh, it's like manna from heaven, isn't it? She Amen, almost my timed friend. it just to, <laughs> just to sync up with the arrival of me after the 3 o'clock time slot. And, uh, yeah, she's got uh, a whole lot she's written here, and you've paraphrased most of it or written, uh, cribbed some of the key quotes. It grieves me to resign from a portfolio where I was at, where I was at work to deliver an important mandate. I must abide by my core values, wow. my ethical responsibilities, constitutional obligations. There can be a cost to acting on one's principles, but there is a bigger cost to abandoning them. Echoes of Jody Wilson-Raybould. It, it, it really does echo her words, John. And as a bleeding-heart liberal that I am, uh -oh. it pains me to see how this man, how this prime minister continues to drag his heels. See what I did there mm. on this issue? I know that we're going to hear from his old pal, Gerald Butts, on Wednesday. Mm. If Gerald Butts just comes out and says, uh, she's not really telling the full truth, we're just that's what it sounds like he's going to do. I'm not sure this man can lead this party into a, a fall election, John. I, I, this is, these are two strong women who have come out and said, we're not standing by you, Justin. Well, the interesting thing that was developing uh, over the weekend Primarily, uh, you could start to see where the spin was at work or in play. And uh, part of that had to do with people's appreciation that Jody Wilson-Raybould wore two hats as justice minister and as the attorney general. And the liberals wanted to position it as saying, well, uh, this is the way she characterized her truth, perhaps understanding it while she wore the hat of the attorney general, where there's no political interference. It's an arm's length position. But they were saying, well, we perceived her as a colleague, as the justice as minister. As a justice minister. This has to change. Right. Uh, we can't have an attorney general serve as a justice minister because for the average person out there driving the car right now, one is supposed to provide, if you were to hire a lawyer, legal advice that's just sort of following the rule of law in Canada. The justice minister is supposed to protect the prime minister mm -hmm. and the government. You right. can't have the, I mean, I know it goes back to confederation. Mm -hmm. Let's learn from this. 
probably let's find a new leader for the uh, Liberal Party. Well, right. I think you probably are in agreement with me, John. I listen from time to time. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. This might be one of those occasions where uh, you will be in agreement because you're saying this is untenable now for him to continue if he's lost another key cabinet minister. And, you know, this is why I'm wondering uh, if there are more shoes to drop. Is there anything that Gerald Butts could have by way of interference or uh, trying to reshape maybe reset uh, the agenda, the talking points come Wednesday, it seems now that even that has suffered a setback because this is a countervailing type of uh, move on a part of a colleague. She, I guess, carries more weight and in terms of credibility being within the inner sanctum as a cabinet minister, duly elected. That's right. uh, This is a heavy, a heavy development. Uh, And we will pick up on this. You're welcome, sir. uh, Well, I appreciate your break in any time. No problem. I mean, when it warrants it, in this case seems to be indicative of that. Jason Chapman now uh, leaving the building, uh, the executive. Yeah, he'll be. Yeah, he'll be. Yeah, he'll be running for prime minister, uh, as will many others. Well, all right. Uh, this is something an interesting update on that file. Jody Wilson-Raybould seems to have a colleague uh, who shares a like mind. Principles are are more important than political considerations, which is refreshing to hear. I mean, this is a party where perhaps uh, heretofore we did not anticipate this kind of clarity of thought and principled position. There's a certain, uh, obviously, integrity carrying the day. You know, there's so much at play here. I was going to talk, too, in a different light of another situation where uh, Brad Blair, uh, who is was, up until this morning, uh, the acting deputy commissioner of the OPP, he's been sent packing as well. Now, I'm not sure if you could see uh, a direct correlation in terms of, well, breaking ranks with the boss. And this is where it gets into a tricky interpretation of uh, exactly what played out there. In essence, as I understand it, uh, he was, we'll say, uh, leaking confidential information. This according to the government and uh, the person who was in charge of making that call was uh, somebody that was appointed by the government as well, uh, Mr. DiTomaso. And uh, Tomaso sent him packing. I guess over uh, the weekend they had uh, this planned, and this was something that uh, they felt termination was the only acceptable recourse. All right. Uh, this was a March 1 letter that uh, the Globe and Mail obtained last Friday. The deputy minister uh, in charge, uh, Mr. Tomaso, wrote a confidential update to uh, the community safety minister, Sylvia Jones, saying that he met with several senior bureaucrats and uh, they came to the conclusion that the government should fire uh, Deputy Commissioner Blair. Now, there's a lot of uh, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth on this one in the legislature. Uh, As a matter of fact, I guess it was uh, Andrea Horvath who talked about uh, this as being uh, cronyism and it's just self-serving, friends in high places. Uh, Andrea Horvath uh, went after, I guess, Sylvia Jones on this. Sylvia Jones, uh, who's the uh, Minister of Community Safety and Correctional Services. 
She uh, defends the process when asked about the optics of the situation. Look, what I'm concerned about is that we understand a process that, that involves the Public Service Commission making a decision in consultation with Deputy Blair Couture to terminate the employment of Mr. Blair. That happened. I was notified. I was not asked for permission. I was not asked for advice. All I was asked was if I would, as a result of that termination, rescind the OIC of Mr. Blair, which is what has happened this morning. All right, so there you go. Uh, That's one of those developments here in the province of Ontario. Still wrapping my head around the latest announcement. Another cabinet minister has quit the cabinet of Justin Trudeau, basically uh, responding, she says, to her constituents in Markham Stouffville. This is Jane Philpott. And uh, also showing solidarity with Jody Wilson-Raybould. So, you know, I need to open the lines and uh, get some feedback on this immediately based on this news breaking just within the last... 10 or 15 minutes or so, if this shows you that this government is really, uh, it's teetering. It's, and when Justin Trudeau, this is the lovely clip. I've got to play this one before we take some calls in this. Uh, he was in, I, I can't remember if it was Moncton this afternoon or earlier today. And, uh, when he was asked about this anyway, he's on the East coast. He continues the same narrative that his focus is to stand up for Canadian jobs. We are always uh, going to stand up for good jobs, uh, create good jobs, and defend Canadians' interests. That's what Canadians expect us to do as a government. That's what we will always continue to do. We will do that, however, in a way that respects our institutions, respects the independence of our judiciary. Canadians expect us to do those two things at the same time. And that's what we will always do. All right. Well, you know, it seems to me it's just uh, more of the mealy-mouthedness that we heard late last week. On this matter, uh, that wasn't the clip per se that I heard earlier today. Actually, I was watching his, I guess, press conference out on the East Coast somewhere, and he used again the, the same line that he used late last week. So his talking points, he's got them, like, uh, committed to memory. We'll protect jobs from, uh, I can't remember the first place he chose, then Port Elgin and even Grand Prairie, Alberta. He always ends with Grand Prairie, Alberta. It's like, would you stop? I mean, that's just an insult, rubbing salt into the wounds. The folks in Alberta uh, are livid. There's even a a recent poll that's come out that shows there's uh, more folks in favor of separation in Alberta than ever have been in Quebec, or at least uh, more recently in Quebec. So on this matter, though, of the government uh, and the latest announcement, Jane Philpott resigning, uh, deciding to show solidarity, I'm guessing, with Jody Wilson-Raybould and uh, again pointing out that uh, it grieves me to resign from a portfolio where I was at work to deliver an important mandate, but I must abide by my core values, my ethical responsibilities, constitutional obligations. There can be a cost to acting on one's principles, but there's a bigger cost to abandoning them. All right. Uh, she was the Minister of Health, Minister of Indigenous Services, Treasury, uh, President of the Treasury Board, and Minister of Digital Government. I don't know that she's resigned her seat, just her position in Cabinet. So that uh, does give you, though, a leading indicator that there is something rotten in the state of Denmark, if you will. It's just untenable for this government to continue now. The damage is being compounded by another Cabinet Minister. Are there more shoes to drop? And I don't know what Jerry Butts is going to say to refute any of the prevailing sense that the Liberals uh, have really... There, there's a rot that's set in. And when they emphatically talk about uh, having to win elections and putting politics ahead of core principles... 
Jane Philpott just punctuated the point made by Jody Wilson-Raybould earlier last week that there still are some principled people for whom the stench is too much to take and they've got to bail. Uh, They can't sit there in all good conscience. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about this party and its attempts to, again, curry favor to win a majority or at least to get reelected come October? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.